Hi guys, it's me Vanilla again, and um, somehow I'm back here again. I wasn't actually thinking of making another episode because I'm a very lazy person, as I've specified in my first episode, quite funnily. As also, I'm trying to speak much louder, and my throat is quite bad, but please bear with me if I'm not like super loud. I'm going to be very, very loud now. I'm very loud now. Am I? Am I? Okay, I think I am. Um, so basically, I was not thinking of doing anymore because the previous episode was kind of like a hot mess and I kind of felt bad and I was like, nah, let's just, you know, scrap this entire thing off. But some of you were very nice to listen to the entire 42 minutes of me speaking and being weird and you guys even gave me very nice feedback. I'm looking at you, my dear friends. Yes, kind of, like, you know, digitally looking at you. But thank you so much for wanting to know more and being interested in the first place. And, you know, for that, I kind of felt that this would be, at least, at least, you know, let me try to do one human geography episode. Let me see how it's gonna go. And this one's gonna, actually, I'm gonna put in more effort to make sure this sounds more succinct and sounds better and you have a better idea of what I'm talking about because I'm pretty sure some of you got kind of confused with the previous episode and geography is not a very easy thing to explain auditory wise only so I'm going to try my best for this one so this is the first ever human geography episode I'm going to be covering Uh, This is not going to be part of the Holy Trinity sort of series that I made of three basic uh, concepts you must know in order to better understand every single part of geography, especially physical geography. We are going to touch a little bit on the human side, and this isn't exactly very human. There's a mix of physical and human, but this is also a very, very good foundation that you need in order to actually better appreciate everything else that comes once this entire basic series is over. Also, I don't think there might be another episode anytime soon. I'm not sure when I'm going to make another one, maybe, you know... um, in August when I'm like traveling to Malaysia and I'm gonna be sick of life most probably then in that under other than that I don't think there's gonna be another time I wasn't even sure I was going to make this one but I felt like you know I should give it a try so as such what we're going to be going through is the geologic time scales so before I break down into this I want to first talk about what human geography means And basically, I have talked about what geography really means and its definitions and all the, you know, weird, boring stuff. But I think human geography is very, very important in terms of you trying to realize that uh, this is actually a very, very relatable part of your life. Once I hit on the more heavier stuff, such as urban geography, urban planning, which to be very honest, I'm actually not a very big fan of. But I've grown to kind of, you know, get used to it. But it is more relatable to your life. It is something you see more often with your relationships with the people around you. And also, it also helps you reevaluate your purpose and your role in society today for the you know past thousands of years that we have been here. And the importance of time is so important 
especially in human geography because it tracks and talks about patterns and trends and that is one of the biggest thing when you're going to talk about any form of discipline that uses data and statistics trend and pattern is so important for you to understand how it has been changing you know whether it is the rock composition of the earth or you know migration patterns of the world or whether you know your favorite candy bar was it was it kit kat when you were young uh and it's like mars now or has it always been kit kat that sort of patterns are very important for you to understand changes has been happening because the moment when you see a change you can go back there and you know, kind of find out what has happened it's kind of like doing a reverse engineering or a reverse detective work and it's very very cool and it also helps you better appreciate the things that you had then and the things that you have now and with that i want to segue into our you know topic that we're going today which is going to be very heavy but i'm going to try my very best to make it much much more lighter and actually more interesting to you because when i read about it i absolutely love this topic and most probably going to hear me say that for almost everything except urban geography but yes almost everything i love in geography now when it comes to the geologic time scale we always know that the universe you know was created you know starting from the big bang and a lot of those neo degrass tyson stuff that you know he has already mentioned in his 17 space universe shows on history channel and national geographic channel and the science channel i should have done more research on that but definitely he has talked a lot about the start of the universe and how it was created but it was from the perspective of a physicist physicist Yeah, a physicist and an astronomer and oh, he's an astrophysicist. I just realized that. Yeah, from the perspective of an astrophysicist. But we are going to look at this very same time scale, but in terms of we are we are starting much later when the earth was formed. That is our start point. Unlike, you know, Big Bang, we're starting from where the earth was formed and we are going to go all the way over to where we are today right now with you listening to me. and for that we are going to also look at two important things one is the uh, rock composition the physical atmosphere of the earth during that time as well as any form of biological organic changes in terms of life uh, whatever it is so once before i hit i i know i keep saying before but before we get into these different time periods there's some basic terminology to kind of you know sort out and everything so this geologic time scale covers you know physical and human aspects of what has happened and it has been classified according to you know like uh, international geographers standards or whatever it is it has been classified into five very distinct and very well known categories and they are eons eras periods epochs and ages and all in the order of the largest to the smallest basically like you know like a russian doll whereby eons are the largest time intervals up to 39 million years i'm not joking 39 actually i think it's 39 billion years i don't even think it's millions than 1 billion that's how big of time scales we're going to like hit on Or is it 39 i think it's 39 million it's so never mind i'm i i'm my life is a mess but yes up to 39 million years and ages are the smallest subset of around a few thousands of years only and 
we are going to break into all of this soon but i'm going to start with talking it through eons first because they are the largest under eons you have eras under eras you have periods under periods you have epochs under epochs you have ages and the easiest way you can remember this is you know just say it super fast five times every single day in the morning for a week and you will be able to remember it you know just be like eons eras periods epochs ages eon eon eons eras periods epochs ages i know do something like that but yes what ages are the smallest subset of few thousand years there's also one more term that i want to introduce within this five already well-known categories which is called a super eon now this has not uh been very popular because it kind of you know it's self-explanatory it's a super eon basically it's a very big eon but how big is this eon basically it can fit up to three eons so that's like 39 million times three that's how big it is but it's very very big so we are going to go from eon to eon now in terms of how long ago we're going to talk about i already did say that we're going to talk about when earth was first formed and how long is that is 4.6 billion years ago so it's going to be very heavy there are going to be a lot of names and a lot of latin words that are really weird sounding and it feels like you can never remember them but just stick with me i'm going to make sure that it is less tiresome and you can actually remember it i i hope so but i'm sure i'm gonna make i'm gonna try my best to make sure you actually understand the entire time scale in the most concise way without you know all the extra weird details inside that are you know unnecessary or you know you're just not even interested in in the first place so to start, start, start from the very beginning, the earth was created very nice and fresh from the Big Bang. What happened to have it created, I have no idea and I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson. All I know is that the earth is created now and this is where it is the very first eon called the Hadean Eon. This Hadean Eon is part of the very first super eon of the earth called the precambrian now precambrian actually should be something that is familiar because i'm sure it was mentioned before in jurassic park or like those kind of uh, archaeologist indiana jones movies but rest assured precam precambrian uh super eon is not when the dinosaurs came uh nor it is in the hadian eon so this Hadean Eon ranges from 4.6 billion years ago to 4 billion years ago. So it's about 0.6 billion years in length. And the word Hadean actually comes from the word Hades, who is, you know, been known in the Greek mythology to be the king of the underworld. And it does kind of actually describe the atmosphere that it was in Earth back then, which was, you know, these hellish conditions, all lava bubbling, volcanoes everywhere you have these rivers of lava you even have you know this hot piping magma underneath and all this crazy hot hot atmosphere that that almost looks like you know it's out of hell you know with all the sulfur dioxide clouds raining acid and everything it's almost like venus if you want to actually think about it venus is still a kind of a very crazy hot in a literal way hot planet 
and that was how it was when it first started so this Hadean Eon has four eras remember the entire sequence it goes from eons eras periods epochs ages so this particular eon has four eras called the eo hadian paleo hadian meso hadian and neo hadian so obviously the easiest way to remember them is through the suffixes you see the suffixes eo paleo meso neo you realize this is actually very common in all the other eons you also see that they have a very similar way of naming the eras they add these suffixes in front mostly because they also these geologists also have a limited memory they really want to remember these things but not give it you know five different names all the single time but i won't be getting into much details of each era because it's going to take me like you know an entire year to finish everything in that case so Basically, the entire summary of this Hadean Eon was when the first ever formation of the moon has uh, occurred as well as plate tectonics, which is a very, very interesting topic, which I will be covering that soon once I'm done with all the fundamentals. It is very, very fun, guys. I Trust me, it is super fun. So, um, interestingly, towards the end of the last era in this Eon, the Neo-Hadean, there were the first ever signs of life and no it's not us no we have not appeared by then but these are instead primordial signs of life through like the earliest fossils of plants so there's also one little like weird fun fact that i want to talk about that the fact that the formation of the moon kind of happened when the jupiter hit into earth and i think like a quarter of the moon like quarter of the earth broke off and it kind of you know formed into a moon which orbits around us now super cool right so okay i'm gonna go into the next eon now Okay, now the second eon is the Archean, which is still part of the Precambrian super eon. Like once again, like I said, that the super eon uh, does contain three eons, and this Precambrian super eon is actually the only super eon the Earth ever has. Currently, we don't live in a super eon because it is of a, such a short period. It has only been thousands and hundreds of uh, hundreds and thousands of years. And you need to wait for a couple more million years from now and then we will have a super eon, most probably. And this uh, Archean dates from 4,000 million years ago to 2,800 million years ago. And the interesting part of this Archean eon comes from the Greek word Arc, which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly, which means the beginning. Because it was when the Earth's crust was cooled down enough to form continents and, you know, more life popped up kind of got the earth rolling, kind of got the shit together and everything was starting to come up well and that was how the name came about. Now, this uh, eon is made of only, f- uh, is made of four eras and uh, the interesting part is only both Hadean and Archean do not have any more breakdown of their time beyond eras. Remember, I was talking about these different categories of time, the biggest being super eon and eon and the smallest being age. The reason why I've been only going into eons and eras is because 
it there there is no evidence that can date back to a specific most specific time period to go down to a period to an epoch or to an age so both of these eons only have eras that is uh how specific the evidence we've got only now these four eras are the eoarchean Paleoarchean, Mesoarchean, and the Neoarchean. Once again, the suffixes are the same as you can tell that this is truly the easiest way that can get you to remember the eras under Eon. It's, the suffixes are pretty much the same. It's Eo, Paleo, Meso, Neo. Why is it exactly those suffixes? I'm not very sure. Uh, if I do find out, I'll definitely let you know in the next episode. So what the interesting part in the summary of the Archean era, uh, Eon, basically, is that the rocks formed at this particular time period were one of the first rocks, mostly made from granite and gneiss, and can actually be even found today at a lot of places in the world, you know, all the way from Greenland to Wyoming in the USA to Western Australia and India. It's a these rocks have been created so long ago, yet they are able to stand through time and stay here. Now, also the very, very interesting part is that this was also when the very first simple single-cell life was formed, which is actually called the prokaryote. P-R-O-K-A-R-Y-O-T-E. Prokaryote. It kind of looks like a nut or a kernel, and that's actually what, where the word came from. And... This prokaryote was even subdivided into bacteria and archaea. So you kind of have your origins of the bacteria story coming about now. So the another thing is also that this eon uh, enabled the movement into the next eon that creates the first ever subdivision for periods. So that eon is still part of the Precambrian super eon, yet they were able to find a lot more evidence. And now the third eon uh, is the Proterozoic eon. And it's the last eon that marks the end of the Precambrian super eon. And this dates from 2500 million years ago to only 635 million years ago. At this point, you can kind of tell that we are going on a huge unit of measurement, which is millions of years. And it's going to get much, much smaller as we go on into the next sort of uh, complete like so so called eon super eonish phase where there's technically no more super eons left so it's just the next uh, eon that's all so the thing about the fact that this is the only eon the precambrian that geologists have found the most evidence of just like how i have uh, just explained and as such, they were able to tell a lot more geological events that has happened. And this allowed them to better date these evidence in order to break down the time period even more. So the Proterozoic Eon contains three eras only and starts to have a much smaller scale of uh, time which is under the periods we are now moving to have periods and this is due to more evidence being found 
after the three errors, once again, the same suffixes kind of hit. But this time, instead of four suffixes, there are only three. So we are taking out the EO, the first one, the EO. So there's only Paleoproterozoic, Mesoproterozoic, and Neoproterozoic. And each era uh, has about three to four different periods in between. And I'm not gonna, you know, go into them because it's a lot of names if you kind of do the math. It's a lot of names, and we haven't even gone into the biggest eon, which is the next eon we are covering. Now, the cool part about this entire, you know, pre-Cambrian sort of entire timing is about the fact that it has not only dated to a very, very long time, this is also where a lot of plants and life thrived. And there was a lot of uh, activity that was happening on Earth. And this is also when there was the first ever supercontinent cycle, which is basically huge chunks of land on Earth shifting around. And the movement, you can kind of imagine the movement being like the teacup ride that you see in fairs and carnivals, where you sit inside a teacup, your teacup spinning, moving everywhere. You look like you're going to bump into someone, but you're not. So it's kind of a mix between that sort of spinning teacup ride as well as the bumper cars where you bump into one another and all this weird action goes on. That is a supercontinent cycle, basically. And that's also where a lot of plate tectonic and tectonic action has occurred, which you would only better and best understand once I've covered plate tectonics. So it's not something I'm going to go much into detail now. So the well-identified event, as a summary, you know, in this eon was the transition into a more oxygenated atmosphere during the Paleoproterozoic. So the, the thing about Earth was when it first formed, I did talk about it having a lot of hellish conditions, you know, it's a crazy place that has a lot of volcanoes, lavas, um, a lot of this uh, sulfur dioxide clouds and rain that can literally kill people and it was one of the most hostile planets to have existed and during that time the oxygen levels in the atmosphere was actually very low up to like you know 4 to 14 percent only but this is also where there was a transition during this paleoproterozoic era where there was a huge amount of oxygen that was created and the question then comes why why is there suddenly so much more oxygen now and this atmosphere has this you know kind of comfortable levels of you know let's say 17 percent we haven't hit the 21 percent oxygen level that we have today yet at this point but it was in a transition it was going to reach that and the reason why that there's so much more oxygen in the atmosphere was because of the life how I talked about that this is where this is very interesting because there's a lot of thriving of plants and animals. The moment when you have a lot of plants coming in, obviously you imagine photosynthesis, which means there's this creation of oxygen and that would add oxygen into the atmosphere and start to create an ecosystem that can maintain that level of oxygen throughout. So as the plant population keeps growing, the oxygen level in the atmosphere also keeps uh, growing. Now, this is also a time in the eon where there was a very interesting theory that kind of emerged during one of the periods called the Syrogenanian period, which is under the last Proterozoic era, which is the Neoproterozoic. Remember, it always starts with the Eo and with the Neo. 
kind of rhymes doesn't it eo neo so it starts with the eo ends with the neo this has only three errors so it starts with the paleo oh i just realized kind of all you know it's like a rap song you can go from like you know paleo meso neo i don't know <laughs> i realized that rhyme too wow Okay, so basically, back to the point that this this interesting theory that emerged, which was called the snowball earth, and that kind of you know, to me when I first hear of it, it kind of gives me flashbacks to Animal Farm and Snowball with the pig, but that's not what this is about. The snowball earth is kind of talking about the fluctuations where, which was best elaborated in the previous episode of the Milankovic cycle, where. There are periods of very very high temperatures and periods of very low temperature. So there's this snowball earth theory which talks about the fact that there was this particular time in the Sarojinian period where there was so uh, low temperatures, the climate was almost so hostile that the surface was frozen. Almost eighty to ninety percent of Earth's surface was frozen and kind of looked like a you know tiny little snowball in the solar system if we're gonna look at it that way. And that was how this theory was emerged. Now whether this theory has been confirmed to become official or if there's sufficient evidence to prove of it, we are not very sure of it yet. But rest assured this is going to be a topic that i'm going to bring about once again very very soon actually like literally next week so you know just kind of have that in your mind when you think about it and this uh, kind of you know marks towards the end of this uh, beautiful pre-cambrian super yarn where there's so much life and so much animals you know um if you want to think about what type of animals they were actually formed during this time they are actually the jawed fish and even millipedes. That's right, millipedes were there before us. They existed way before us and they've been having a great time since then, I think. So all of that happened and that uh, gives a really great segue into the fourth eon, which is no longer part of this Precambrian super eon. It's just one of its own and it is the very last eon. Why? Because we're living in it right now. We're living in this uh, fourth eon, which is called the Phenerozoic Eon. And I'm going to call, talk about it soon now. Okay guys, so now we'll go into the fourth and the last eon that is on earth which is the phenerozoic eon this is the eon we currently live in um it's not in any super eon because a new cycle just started so you know in a million years from now it might be a super eon actually not even in a million maybe like a billion so this phenerozoic eon dates from 541 million years ago until today right now now, this is a very, very huge eon, as there's, there's so much that has happened here, and there's evidence of a lot of things that has happened here, you know, geolo- geologically, in terms of, like, organically, through, like, biologically, and everything, and this is also the eon where humans first appear. So, definitely, this is going to be a little bit much more longer in terms of my explanation, and I'm going to go uh, more deep into each era one by one. So this contains only three eras and it also has a very interesting naming system. It is a Paleozoic, Mesozoic and this one is interesting, Cenozoic. And you might wonder why not Neo? We have always been going into Eo, Paleo, Meso, Neo. 
why is this a sino you might be wondering and given that what was always that came after meso there is an interest, interesting uh, explanation or like i would like to say more of like a theory to it new as a time period would mark a significant event which is the end of the era and right now we are not living in the end yet and that arises the question as to why we are not then living in the mesozoic or you know why don't we just call what we're living in the mesozoic and you know when the time comes post apocalyptic world then we can go and say that this is the neozoic era and this can be explained when i go from era to era specifying all the periods epochs and ages and i would want to make you think that is this because we as humans do not want to believe that this is the end of our eon that is arriving you know for all you can know this could be it so this is just something for you to just think about when we, uh, we go into all of this so the first era i'm going to cover is the paleozoic era under this phanerozoic eon this era has a whopping six periods in them so once again I want to recap how the classification of time goes it goes from eon and then era from that to period epoch and then age so this particular period this particular era has six periods it's very difficult even for me to kind of just remember remember all of this so this particular era has six periods called the cambrian ordovician silurian devonian carboniferous and permian obviously i'm not going to go into all because they're like six so basically the summary of the first four periods were all about more of the thriving of life and plants building up the earth's oxygen until triples in the size that it once had in the previous eon and the more interesting ones that are actually the last two periods the carboniferous and the permian so the carboni- carboniferous period comes from the phrase coal bearing period where carbo doesn't really mean the carbs on your plate but coal and ferro means i bear so if you think about it it's more of like coal bearing and obviously in a way it's a self explanatory thing why it is called coal bearing but this word carboniferous would be familiar to you when i go into a topic called the karst topography whereby the presence and importance of carboniferous rocks which in that context is more of like rocks with a lot of potential to release carbon dioxide so if you think about it this particular time period is where these carboniferous rocks were first created and examples are limestone shale and coal this period is also has two epochs which is the much more smaller time scale called the mississippian and the pennsylvanian obviously named from locations in america due to the rock beds that has been formed then and this form of breakdown of the time is more prevalent in north american geography that's why it has you know the name mississippian and pennsylvanian but it's not uh, very widely talked about in the international community so once from there um this 
Carboniferous period, once again, like I said, is uh, comes from Carboniferous rocks. And the one thing you will learn soon about Carboniferous rocks is that they occur in areas with a lot, a lot of rain. And it will be explained very well when I move into the basics and move into cast formation and into climates. Those three will help you explain why. So... At the end of this particular time period, a minor marine and terrestrial extinction event occurred, mostly caused by climate change. And thus, we move into the last period of this uh, era called the Permian, which I would say is the most interesting one of this entire era, because this is where the very well-known Pangaea was formed. And in case you didn't know, the Pangaea is actually the largest supercontinent to be formed and it's also kind of in a more modern supercontinent as formed because its breakup is currently uh, the world map that we see today. So you can imagine your entire world map, all the land everywhere, all the different continents, if we squish it into one huge land that was Pangaea, like how many, you know, how many years ago was that? Like... 254,000 years ago. You know, it seems pretty recent when you're looking at the huge time scales of all the things that has happened over here. Let me confirm with you on that. Is it 250? It's 250 million. Yes, so it is still quite a long time that it has occurred, but it's technically much shorter compared to the billions of years of time we have just travelled to together. And this uh, Pangaea is actually very interesting and I want you to Google it so you can kind of look at it yourself to see how the entire map was formed or how geographers or cartographers think how the map looked like then. And... The thing is that this is a theory that sounds very legitimate due to all the tectonic activity and the geologic evidence that have been provided. But however, it is actually still a theory that has been contended by some of the geographers. And this entire formation of the Pangaea also actually um, is quite sad because it also marks the end of the Paleozoic through the Permian-Triassic extinction event. From here, you will actually then realize that each time era and eon ends with the extinction event. So it's a food for thought into thinking why we do not want to name the particular time uh, period we are living in as a Paleozoic, as a, as a Neozoic era, and instead it's a Cenozoic era. So you can kind of you know just make the linking of how we as humans think about the world around us and whether we want to believe that we're living at the end of times. Now I'm going to be moving into the Mesozoic era, which is going to be uh, it's most probably the most popular and the easiest to be able to understand because this is where you have your emergence of the dinosaurs. Yay, we have finally reached the dinosaurs and this is dated from 251 million years ago to 72 million years ago. In this era, it's split into three periods, Triassic, Jurassic and Cretaceous. So now the words are getting a little bit more familiar, I don't really need to explain things out for you. 
So I'm just gonna go in and say okay. So all of the epochs in here are actually named very simply. We're at the early Triassic, Middle Triassic, Late Triassic, Early Jurassic, Middle Jurassic, Late Tri uh, Jurassic. But um, this doesn't apply for the last one, which is Cretaceous, which is only Early Cretaceous and Late Cretaceous, and there's no middle. And you'll find out soon why. So in order for the, the Triassic uh, period started right after the previous period which was the Permian 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 it's always difficult for me to kind of pronounce all these words but yeah it's right after the Permian you have your Triassic which explains the Permian Triassic extinction that I just talked about so basically this Triassic is where the first ever dinosaurs were formed and appeared unlike the popular belief that it happened in the Jurassic period Jurassic Park was not named because that was when the dinosaurs were actually formed. Because they were formed in the Triassic period. So most of the dinosaurs actually that were formed were either airborne or like in the water because land was still unstable at that time. So some of them are the pterosaurs, which are like flying bats, and the notosaurus that looks like lizards, like large lizards that can swim. And then allows us to move into the next period, the Jurassic period, which, you know, is the most popular. Everyone thinks they know about it because they've seen Jurassic World and Jurassic series, but not really because this just where the periods, this was the period where the dinosaurs were in their prime, which kind of might explain why Jurassic Park was named Jurassic Park, to kind of talk about the most amount of dinosaurs that were available there, you know, them being at their prime, this uh, beautiful ecosystem that has now been established, swarmed with this new dominant species uh, that comes from the amphibian family, the dinosaurs. And, you know, now that because the ecosystem is booming and everything kind of seems like it fits in place, it was like, you know, chill for everybody. And this uh, chilling kind of moved into the next period, the Cretaceous period, where sadly it was cut short by a meteorite, where the event was called, uh, geologically the event is actually called the KPG extinction event, not, you know, the meteorite hit them and then they all died event. So basically that kind of actually explains why there's actually no middle Cretaceous, because it was a unexpected thing, so it went from early to straight up late, they just went, they just came late, man, late. So, this KPG extinction event is a, I think it's kind of popular, I think most people kind of know what happened during the extinction event, so I'm not going to make a big deal and talk about it, you kind of know how it happened. So this extinction event just wiped out almost all of the dinosaurs and it ends the Mesozoic era and allows us to move into the Cenozoic era. Okay guys, we are now reaching the finish line soon. I promise you okay this is the last era this era uh, is the is the one that we live in now and it's dated from 66 million years ago to today yay <laughs> and I kind of became very very tired doing all the research and putting you know all of this stats together that at this point I'm now I'm just winging this particular portion uh, the portion that I am well aware of without doing extensive research because i kind of um learned about it was the quaternary period which is one of the three periods here so basically under the cenozoic 
era, there are three periods, the Paleogene, the Neogene, and the Quaternary. So why did it go from Paleo to Neo when, you know, you usually have your uh, meso in between? Is something even I'm not sure of. I think the naming system kind of uh, becomes more and more interesting in terms of understanding what people were thinking when they were naming all these different time periods. And the one they were living in is called the Quaternary. And to be very honest, I'm not exactly sure why. But I do believe it might be because this is where the human civilization started to thrive a lot. Now, basically, I'm just going to go much faster now because you're going to you are like really running out of time. I'm getting very tired, and uh, you know, if it's this part is going to be pretty skimpy, even though ironically, this is actually the most important part because it is the nearest to us, and there's a more the small amount of evidence and more events that has happened. But uh, I can go into a separate episode on it. For now, I think we kind of have covered so much content. I'm kind of scared of overloading people. I feel like I'm overloading myself talking about this. But yes, basically, let's move into the Paleogene, where there are three epochs. The Paleocene, Eocene, and Oligocene. The Paleocene was 66 million years ago to about 59 million years ago. And that's, you know, basically, the most of it is basically about the KPG extinction event and the aftermath of all the mammals that have survived, uh, the climates that have developed at the time. And that sort of climate development occurs throughout the Paleogene, where you have transient events of global warming called the PETM and the ETM2. And this is also where the carbon dioxide levels continue decreasing because there's more and more plants that come and come and come. And this is where it actually reaches very, very near to 21%. So that leads us into the next period which is the neogene period and that dates from 23 million years ago to 3.6 million years ago so obviously the numbers are getting smaller we're getting nearer and nearer to home we're getting nearer and nearer to the present and during this time is actually uh, a very important time in history so under this neogene period there are two epochs the miocene and the pliocene and we are going to go into the Miocene first, very briefly, where in this Miocene epoch, there is uh, the ages. So we are finally hitting the ages now. And the first ever age is the Aquatinian age and then the Berdigalian age. These two ages is where your modern mammals that have survived the extinction event have now managed to live and adapt to the climate and start to thrive. And that's where your ancestors of the apes come, where your humans started to form and your theory of evolution started to happen. But uh, the thing is that this human-ape distinction has not yet occurred. It only occurs a little bit later on in the Tortonian age, which is still within this Miocene epoch. And that's where you have this gradual separation of humans from the chimpanzee ancestors. So from that, we will now move into the most recent period that we live in now, which is the Quaternary period. This is the period we live in now, which dates all the way from 2.58 million years ago 
to today and the rise of humans started all the way in the very last um an, uh, part where at 2.58 million years ago where human civilization started to rise where you have your stone age followed by your bronze age and your iron age but the it's this started still with the stone age you still have not gotten your iron and bronze age yet so under the quaternary period you have two epochs which is the most important the pleistocene and the holocene and under the pleistocene there is the jurassian age and that is the age where you have all of this huge uh, tropical fauna and human civilization starting to you know adapt to this starting to learn how to speak and learning how to do communication which becomes the most important and unique characteristic of humans up to today this rise happens uh, towards the late uh, age in the pleistocene where it's moving to the holocene where now civilizations of hunters and gatherers and uh, villages and all this have occurred at this point we're now in 117,000 years ago in this holocene epoch where you have all your uh, flooding your glacials events that happens and your sahara desert forms and your first ever agriculture economies occur and this allows us to move into the bronze age in the in about you know, 82,000 years ago where the climates have now stabilized you have your bronze age people are thriving it's starting to happen and then we go into like the most recent age because we are now living in the holocene epoch in the megalion age why is it called megalion i'm not very sure but we are living in the megalion age and this is where you had a lot of interesting events actually occurred here not just the industrial revolution that's completely transformed the world globalization all of that happened very very recently but the, one of the cooler events that haha <laughs> i just realized my own joke but you won't understand until i tell you so basically this is where one of the more less popular but it is a very major event that's occurred called the little ice age and this little ice age was where there was this anomaly or uh, this really weird drop in temperature where there was a lot of cooling going on and this little ice age was actually best described through a painting that was made of river thames in england of people ice skating on it because it was so cold that the entire river froze and if you go today to river thames in england it's definitely not frozen and you can't ice skate on it there's uh, it's a full on river so that's where temperature started rising and it rose to completely unprecedented levels where when your industrial revolution has begun and uh, i think that also helps us to better think about you know our roles as humans what we are doing to the environment around us if you think about uh, this entire journey that we have you know we have already reached the end we have reached to today where globalization has occurred we have become so interconnected um we have li- we live in a very very modern very very high paced society and we are a species that has 
done literally the most amount of success in the entire of the history of the universe itself. That's a kind of a proud achievement. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But at what expense is always the question I would ask. As we have studied all the way from 4 billion, 4.6 billion years ago to today, I have talked about the atmosphere changing. The fact that we used to have really high carbon dioxide uh, and sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere, making it very hostile and uh, incapable of any form of life being able to thrive on Earth. That is what we started off from 4.6 billion years ago in the Precambrian. And as that progressed, the thriving of the ecosystem around us through plants and animals managed to bring up oxygen levels, managed to create an atmosphere that was so perfect to create us, humans. And the moment we started rising, when did we honestly, like I would say, completely rose was, mm, I would say less than 5 million years ago, honestly. And in the span of, you know, about 2.5 million years, how much have we impacted the earth compared to anything else that has occurred throughout millions and billions of years? The fact that we are able to bring our carbon dioxide levels up so much when it took millions of years just for the plants around us to bring up the oxygen level, we are depleting it. Now, I'm not trying to virtue signal anyone about, you know, what is climate change and everything, but it is something for you to think about. When you think about climate change, it's not about the fact that it was sunny yesterday and it's raining today. That is what you call weather. But climate change more or less talks about time. What What has been happening over time and what are we doing with it? And this transformation is best explained when you actually understand how it all happened from the start. And now that you do know what happened from the start, I hope you actually do think about what is the impact you make on the world around you and the society that you live in, the impact that it's making. I really hope you enjoyed this entire uh, podcast. It's much, much longer than the then the previous one is much longer than I expected it to be but I was covering I I mean I have been covering so much content so far but I think I've been going in a good pace I hope that you guys really enjoyed this uh listen to it and you can um hit me up on Instagram at vanilla dynamics you know on my blog at itsmevanilla.blogspot and even on my wordpad at itsmevanilla And until next time, bye-bye.